and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. This is episode 114. It's round 15, the late mail edition. You're here with Catfish as always. I'm slowly on the mend. Still not quite 100%, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there for sure. As always, we're going to start off with Wacko's Whispers. We're going to then tackle your Twitter questions and finish up with, I guess, my final thoughts for the round and I'll go through my trades, etc., but yeah, let's get stuck straight into Wacker's Whispers for round 15. You've got mail, baby, yeah! And our first game is tonight, the Broncos and the Rabbitohs up in Suncorp Stadium. The Broncos are off a five-day turnaround, and they're also still sweating on the fitness of Xavier Coates, who was a late scratching against the Raiders after suffering hamstring awareness in the warm-up. However, he's trained with the squad on Tuesday, still just needs to pass the final fitness test and at this stage we're still waiting to hear how he went. Dale Copley is on standby if Coates should fail to back up. If Coates will play it'll be interesting to see whether he plays left wing as Coates and Selwyn Cobbo have both preferred to play on the right wing in the past. There's a chance that Asiata may start at lock with Flegler dropping to the bench. Jordan Rickey and Reese Kennedy were the two players who dropped out from the 21-man squad and remaining as Copley and Corey Pax in the 19. The Rabbitohs, Origin Quartet, who were all rested last week in Cam Murray, Damian Cook, Jai Ara and Dean Gagai, all trained with the squad this week and also took part in the captain's round on Wednesday. At this stage, they're all confirmed starters with Jai Ara set to start on the left edge. The only change to the 17 at this stage is expected to be on the bench with rookie Blake Tuff, I think if that's how you pronounce it. He's set to make his NRL debut with Braden Burns tipped to drop out. And the plan is that he will give Latrell Mitchell a spell at the back end of the game, depending on how the game pans out, as this is Latrell Mitchell's third game in just eight get days after Origin. Liam Knight and Josh Mansour dropped out of the 21-man squad on Wednesday night, and Jaden Sua is the only other player remaining in the 19. Now, not to steal Wacko's thunder, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos team don't actually run out like that, uh, from what I've heard, given a, I'm a mad Broncos fan. There's been lots of uh, different things tried at training, uh, including Pangai moving back into the middle, starting at lock, with potentially the likes of Rabadi starting on the edge instead, as well as uh, Corey Pax maybe coming into the 17 as well. So, yeah, just uh, I'm not saying my mail is any better than Wacko's, but I've heard a lot of different things, including what Wacko's uh, put forward there as well. So good to know that this will be the first game and we'll get some clarity on that at I mean, from, from a super coach perspective, whether Pangai's starting on the edge or even at lock, I think he's probably going to be a play regardless at this stage, unless you've got incredible depth at front row forward at this stage of the season. Anyway, moving on to the Cowboys and the Sharks. The Cowboys welcome the return of Carl Felt, who missed last week's game due to a minor back injury, suffered in origin. Val Holmes also had a light week, as well as Felt, on the training paddock as the Cowboys look to manage them through this origin period. Both are expected to play this week. Mitch Dunn also returns from suspension, and he will play on the right edge, which sees Shane Wright moving to the left edge, with no other late changes expected. The Sharks head into the clash in Townsville with no players named in the 17 in doubt, but they have Sione Katoa, knee, and Braden hamden Ueli ankle on the extended bench. Katoa made his return in New South Wales Cup last week, and he could come onto the wing, which would see Connor Tracy move back to the bench to play the utility role and that will drop Braden Trindle to 18th man. Hamlin Newelli is more likely to be given another week or two to get his ankle right, and he'll be expected to return after the 
uh, representative round break, uh, which would be in round 16. For the Panthers and the Roosters, the Panthers welcome back their origin contingent in Jerome Luai back, Kurt Capewell rested, Nathan Cleary head cut, Brian Torall head cut, Isaiah Yo rested. <sighs> That's a lot of names. And uh, with Viliami Kikau missing due to injury, Kurt Capewell will switch to the left edge and Liam Martin will start on his preferred right edge next to Nathan Cleary. Stephen Crichton will also st- switch to right centre to allow Matt Burton to move back to left centre. On the Roosters' side, they have one change uh, with potentially Sam Walker out and Joseph Suwali in. Walker might be rested just after suffering another AC joint injury to his good shoulder. Uh, Sam Walker did train on Wednesday, but at this stage, not expected to play. And that'll see Joey Manu moving to the halves and Joseph Suwali playing right centre. Tedesco will play after being rested last weekend after he got needled up to play in origin due to his hip pointer injury and could again be needled up to play this week. Takaaho missed last week's game but is expected to play. Tupanua is in some doubt due to a foot injury, but uh, he has been cleared of serious injury but just might be managed depending on how his foot pulls up. If he is ruled out, Egan Butcher would start in the second row with rookie Ben Thomas, who made his NRL debut last weekend. He will come back onto the bench to play a second game. Sam Verrills has been medically cleared to return after his eye injury and he just has to make it through the captain's run to be confirmed to play off the bench behind Adam Kieran. Moving on to the Knights and the Warriors, the Knights do welcome back to Cavalry. Mitch Pierce, Peck, David Klemmer, Suspension and Heimel Hunt, Hamstring are all returned. Kalen Ponga hopefully also back at fullback but he still needs to pass a few tests and just needs to take part in the captain's run on Friday to prove his fitness. Texoy remains on standby if Ponga is ruled out, with no other late changes expected. The plan is for Jake Clifford to hold on to the goalkeeping duties also ahead of Ponga if he does play. On the Warriors' side, Wacker does not expect him to line up as named. There might be a couple of changes. Firstly, rookie hooker Taniela Otukolo set to come onto the bench to provide cover for fill-in hooker Jazz Tavanga, who's currently there due to the nasty head cut for Wade Egan, suffered against the Storm. Elisa Katoa will be the player to drop out of the 17. Rocco Berry was a late withdrawal last week after he suffered injury at training and he still needs to pass the final fitness test to play. Adam Pompey is more likely to come into left centre, which will see Ewan Aitken switch to right centre after he played on the left last week. Also, it is worth noting that Sean O'Sullivan has been named in both the NRL squad and also in reserve grade for Redcliffe. There is a chance that we the, the reshuffle of Walsh into the halves, RTS to fullback and... Cosy onto the wing could happen, but this is all up in the air at the moment. Moving on to the Dragons and the Raiders. The Dragons come into this game off a five-day turnaround, and really they just want to get back onto the field to make amends after their shock loss to the Bulldogs on Monday. Dufty suffered a knock to his bad shoulder, and with the short turnaround, a lot will depend on how he pulls up, with the captains on a Friday the key to whether he plays. They have Boone rookie Tyrell Sloan on standby to make his NRL debut should Dufty be ruled out. Zach Lomax named on the extended bench after his broken thumb, but he still needs to get final clearance from his surgeon to play, uh, and that might happen this week. If he is fit, he'll come in straight in at right centre, and Gerard Beal will drop out of the 17. Jack DeBellin might be integrated back into the starting lineup in coming weeks, as he looks to build up his fitness level after he was out of the game for so long, and that will see Jackson 4 dropping to the bench. Over to the Raiders, they have both Corey, Harawira Naira, and Semi Valame in doubt, after they left the field in the second half against the Broncos due to HIAs. At this stage, both are tracking well to play, 
but they just need to get the final doctor's clearances in order to be able to line up as named. Soliola started at lock last weekend with Ryan Sutton dropping to the bench, and Ryan James has been named on the extended bench after his return from suspension. At this stage, not expected to force his way into the 17, and Xavier Savage is expected to be the 18th man. Moving on to the next game, the Storm and the Tigers. On the Storm side, they have a number of players who are either in doubt or had a light week at training. This includes their origin players, Adokar, Munster, Kafusi, and Grant. Basically not training, but they those four are expected to play. Christian Welsh, who failed his HIA in origin one, uh, is expected to play, provided he gets to tick off the final box of taking part in the captain's run in order to be a confirmed starter. Tom Eisenhuth passed his game day HIA last week, but could be in some doubt. If he is ruled out, Trent Loero would come into the team to start on the left edge. George Jennings was a late withdrawal due to injury last weekend, but he's trained during the week and will return on the right wing. Brandon Smith, knock. Tui Kamakamitha, head knock. And Dale Finucane, head knock. All trained with the squad during the week and will play. Nelson Osofa Solomona returns from suspension, but he could start from the bench with Kamakamitha starting. Over to the Tigers, they have Moses Mbai and Doubt due to a knee injury suffered against the Panthers, which actually saw him miss last week. At this stage, he is expected to play with other concerns, including Tommy Talau, shoulder, David Nofaluma, knee, Luke Garner, leg, Joe Offengawi, groin, and Dane Laurie, head knock, all in some doubt, and they basically just need to prove their fitness at the captain's run to play. They have, and I'm just going to butcher this name, <laughs> Feta Liger Pauga on standby to make his NRL debut if either Nofaluma or Talau are ruled out. Ken Marmolo, new signing, comes straight onto the left wing to make his club debut, and he'll be looking forward to play the Storm for the second time in two weeks. And obviously he scored a hat-trick last week, so let's see how he goes as a Tiger. For the Eels and the Bulldogs, Eels expecting to be 117 with no changes. That means Murata Niakore will play after he passes game their HIA on the weekend, and he's trained with the squad during the week. Sean Russell comes onto the left wing to make his NRL debut in replacing the suspended Mike Acevo. The Bulldogs have no injury concerns to come out of the Dragons game on Monday, and their only potential change to the 17 will be if DWZ can overcome a foot injury, which forced him to miss the Dragons game. If fit, he will start at fullback, and Nick Meany will move on to the wing, and Tui Katoa will drop out of the 17. And the last game of the round, the Titans and the Seagulls. The Titans will receive a massive boost, with AJ Grimson set to return from a knee injury at fullback, with Jaden Campbell, the player to make way. Mitch Rain is also a chance to recover from a short injury, and would need to pass a fitness test at the captain's run on Saturday. If fit, he will replace Aaron Clark at hooker, and Clark will drop out at 17. Anthony Don, who is named on the extended bench, is not expected to play due to an ongoing hip injury. Dave Fafita and Tino Fasua Malawi both passed their game day HIAs on the weekend. They have been monitored during the week and then trained, and both will play. Ash Taylor copped a head knock in the same incident, which saw Fafita go off for a HIA, and Ash Taylor played the game out and should be right to play. On the Seagulls side, they welcome back Tommy Turbo after he was rested last week after Origin. And Manley's only concern leading into the game is the fitness of Toa Sipley, who failed his HIA last week. He's under concussion protocols at present, but he does have a nine-day turnaround, but he will need medical clearance to play if he passes all the protocols. If he's ruled out, Kurt DeLuy would come onto the bench to play a second NRL game. Taniela Pasika passes game day HIA, has trained, trained during the week, and will be fit to play. And that is Wacko's Whispers for round 15. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. 
So this segment is now proudly brought to you by Carl McGrath Accounting. Tax time is just around the corner. And just like how I tackle your Twitter questions to try to get the best result for your super coach teams, Carl, who is actually legally qualified to do this, he will get you the best result for your tax returns. Get Carl to do your tax return. He will legally maximize what you'll receive from your refund. No job is too big or too small. And being a small business, you'll be speaking directly with Carl, the owner, who will do your work. No work's done overseas or done by junior staff. Carl does everything literally himself. Doesn't matter where you are in Australia, Carl can help you out using FaceTime, Zoom. He helps anyone no matter where they are. Some of his clients, in fact, he's never met in person, even though they live in the same suburb. So distance definitely is not an issue. Being a small business means he also has very few overheads, so Carl can definitely offer you a competitive price and pass as many savings as he can onto his clients. Search for Carl McGrath Accounting on Facebook. That's spelled C-A-R-L-M-C-G-R-A-T-H accounting or you can find him on twitter at carl m accountant now carl is one of our champs one of our patreon subscribers so you know he is committed to a super coach so that means when you get in contact with him make sure you mention the podcast super coach champions and he'll take care of you when it comes to pricing as one of our listeners of the podcast and also he'll probably just want to have a chat and talk about trades and whatever when it comes to super coach so again carl mcgrath accounting and thank you to carl for sponsoring the segment so straight into the questions now. The first one here we've got from Dean Jones at Dino underscore THFC. What's your thoughts on Laurie for AJ and Barnett for Talakai? Firstly, Laurie to AJ, absolutely no issues with that. Obviously, you're committed to AJ and that's on the basis that either he's going to go really well and he'll max out in price and you can trade him out to a keeper or you resolve to hold him for the season, play him selectively on matchups. Totally fine with that, no issues. Now, Barnett to Talakai. It's just a matter of how bullish you are on Talakai. It's worth noting he's probably going to play left edge as opposed to right edge from last year next to SJ where that's where he got a lot of his attacking stats. So that's something to keep in mind. The only other question mark is obviously minutes and we talked about that on the earlier podcast this week. Ideally, you want to give him a week to wait and see and then jump on afterwards. But at the end of the day, I couldn't blame anyone for taking a punt at the price tag that he is thinking that he might crash over for some attacking stats this weekend. Personally, I am now at the point where I'm going to just hold off on Talakai for a week. I've got other options I can bring in instead. But if you're bullish on him, I absolutely have no issues trading out Barnack for Talakai there. So uh, next question kind of relates to the same. So got it from uh, Jared Granger at J underscore Granger and pretty much also from Pat at PJE Pat basically asking, is Marzio a trap with Don being, assuming he means named and a chance of coming back into the side? And Pat asks, any word on Marzu being a late out for this week for Don? Per Wacker's whispers at this stage, I think it seems unlikely. Uh, Don seems to still be struggling with that injury. But like I kind of talked about on the earlier podcast this week, really, it's Corey Thompson. He's the number one winger there at the Titans. Then it's just basically one of Marzu, Sammy, or Don to play on the right wing. Now, if you're asking me who should be there, I would say Marzu because... Don used to be a really good defensive winger. And whilst he's never been that high work rate guy, he was always a good finisher, great in, you know, great hands, great at diffusing bombs, all of that type of stuff. He really genuinely was. I mean, we, we actually saw evidence of it in Supercoach. He would actively keep really good wingers, like even Semir Adraja at his peak couldn't turn up against Don. Uh, and he often str- struggled to get past 50, 60 points, even with the try. So he was legit. 
but that was a while ago. He's not that guy anymore. He struggles defensively, just like every other uh, player uh, in that Titans lineup, basically at the moment. He, while still getting the you know defensive positioning right and things like that, just his body can't keep up, and it, the injuries are there, and they're, they're they're a huge concern for me. So honestly, like this is pretty much Don's last season. I wouldn't be surprised if he is slowly fades out a little bit because honestly, what Mazu brings with the yardage work, the the tackle bust, the offloads, yeah, look, obviously he is very susceptible defensively to lapses, and that's always been a knock on his play. And we've seen a couple of stupid things in his two games so far, but I kind of feel like the upside is probably more worthwhile than what the downside is at this stage compared to what he's matched up with. Now, the big question mark is Phil Sammy, who, I mean, he's inconsistent at best. He's obviously played a bit of origin, um, more out of necessity than anything else. Honestly, I, I think Sammy's not exactly been better defensively, and he's actually been the one playing on... The, the left wing, which is where Corey Thompson would be once he comes back into the lineup. So I don't know if that's an indication of whether Marsu is normally a right winger and therefore he gets the preference there or whether he's there because the right wing's his and, you know, Sammy's just warming the seat for Corey Thompson until he comes back. So huge question mark there. I don't have an answer, unfortunately. At the end of the day, I don't even know if Justin Holbrook knows what his answer is, but I guess I've kind of laid out where I see the situation, honestly, the way I'd probably look at it more is, well, what's the best and worst case scenario? Best case scenario, you buy him at bottom dollar, he holds his spot, you've got a dead set center wing keeper for 174000 And I guess the worst case scenario, assuming he plays this week, I mean, there technically is a worst case scenario where he doesn't play at all, but I'm assuming, worst case scenario, he plays this week. If he scores 70, which is not out of the realms of possibility given his base and base attack, is around 55 to 60 at the moment. So one try, one line break, he's pretty much there. 70-odd, he's made 110,000. So that's in one week. If he's dropped after this, you've got you know roughly 270,000 as enough there. Could be used to upgrade later on or whatever once you downgrade elsewhere. You know That's the worst-case scenario. And he's one injury, maybe two injuries off from being able to play and be a playable asset to you any time. So it just does depend on your center wing depth. If you've really got like a enough in, say, a David Fusatua there already, you've got a Joseph Suwali who doesn't play every week. If you've got too many of those guys, then yeah, maybe not uh, get a Mazu. But if you don't, and maybe you don't have any enoughs at all, then if you don't have any, I'd be really comfortable just downgrading with Mazu. You know, your worst case, you've got enough there who isn't bottom dollar. can be worth something to upgrade later. Best case scenario... He is a dead set keeper. You've got super depth for the rest of the season. So yeah, honestly, I really don't mind grabbing him as long as you know what you're in for and the range of outcomes there. But it's definitely, for me, the the range of outcomes includes a situation where he goes out, has another great game, scores a try or so, and locks down that right wing spot. And to me, like, I don't know. I'm not professing to be smarter than Holbrook or anything like that, but... When you've got Corey Thompson, who, who's got a decent work rate there, and then you've got another yardage guy in Mazu on the other edge, and you know it just means you don't have to rely on AJ Brimson, who's not exactly a workhorse, and you know who's fragile. He doesn't need to take those hard carries. You've got two guys who can do it on his behalf. Like That's huge. And when your whole team's struggling defensively, I just think 
not keeping one guy who offers as much as Mazu does in other areas of the game because of his defense seems silly. So you might as well try to score more points than the opposition can score on you guys to give yourself a shot of winning. Like we literally saw that last week against the Roosters. That was a huge comeback and only really possible off the back of a lot of Mazu's yardage work and other things that went on. So yeah, I know I've gone on for ages on that topic, but yeah, it's, I think I just wanted to lay out where my mind's at and how I see that whole situation. Anyway, so the next topic is, it's about Damien Cook. So a couple of questions. So Ryan at Punter 445 and also um, being back Teddy at Lucas 13987. Basically, so Ryan wants to know, he's tempted to get Cook in this week. It's his supplies. And uh, Lucas is asking, he wants to go Connor Watson to Damien Cook. So basically to do this trade, it's saying Cook is a season keeper and Watson is not. Would that be correct? Cheers. All right. I'm going to start off talking about Cook. So firstly, this year, he's kind of been up and down, right? He's been pretty disappointing overall. I think most people would say that's why right now he's so cheap. Now he's come off the back of 105 against the Eels in round 12, where they put up 38 points. So a pretty surprising result, honestly. I don't think anybody saw that type of uh, scoreline coming, given the Eels have been pretty good defensively all year. Now, it's important to note, so most of this season, he's had a number of low scores and 36 against the Storm, 40 against the Storm, 36 against the Panthers, and then also 46 against the Roosters. Now, there's obviously a bit of a trend here. Top four, top five teams, he's scored less. His high scores, he's got the Seagulls in uh, 102 in round two. Again, that was no Tommy Turbo. I think it's clear to say at that stage, Seagulls was a bottom four team, basically. Then he's also got 106 against the Bulldogs. We know the Bulldogs are not good. And then there's a whole heap of middling kind of results, like 47 against the Broncos, 56 against the Tigers, 52 against the Titans, 50 against the Raiders, and 64 against the Sharks. So there's been three big scores, three low ones that are 40 and below, and then a whole heap of scores around 46 to 64 and, you know, lots in the mid-50s. So overall, I think pretty disappointing, honestly. And even some of those scores, he's been saved by some, you know, like a line break or a try contribution, just the odd attacking stat. So no major ones, hence he hasn't gone big, but there's definitely been some attack in those middling 50-ish scores as well. Now, the next thing I want to look at is the history of Cook playing Origin and how he's managed through the Origin period. Unfortunately, we don't really have any data that's fully relevant, you know, in the post-PVL 6-again era because that came in midway through 2020. And obviously there was no origin period in 2020. But if you go back to 2018, 2019, so in 2019 where the buy structure was still the same, he basically had an average of 45 uh, in three games and that included a 26 and 68 minutes when he backed up within 48 hours after one game. Then a 55 and a 54, which is very on trend with what he's been doing this year. In 2018, he didn't back up after the first Origin game, and he played two games in rounds 15-16. So before and after the representative round break, he's got a 64 and 115. So again, it's pretty small data size anyway, but that's what we've got to work with. So again, based on small sample size, I think what it says to me that most likely Cook will get managed through this Origin period which makes a lot of sense given his coach. And chances are he's not going to score as well until post-origin where he normally finishes, you know, with the 75, 80 average, somewhere around there. So what does that all mean? 
Well, I'm assuming you guys have confidence, basically, on what Cook is going to do for the rest of the season. Otherwise, you wouldn't have traded or even looked to trade him in. It's not just about looking at the price, right? Because you think he's going to do better, basically. Because he's priced at what he's performing at, effectively, so far this year. Or maybe even slightly unders because of that 36 against the Panthers. But he's not too far off, basically, because he's giving you around a 60 average. And if you look at his draw for the rest of the year, aside from, you know, he's got to play the Panthers again, he's going to have to play the Roosters in round 24 and the Eels in round 21. So outside of probably those three games, the rest of them are very much uh, winnable and, and they should be pretty comfortable given the Rabbitohs are a good team. So, sorry, to go back to your question, Ryan, is it uh, wise to get Cook in this week? I think on paper, you look, it makes a lot of sense given it's almost a straight swap uh, between Watson and Cook. Uh, is it wise? The timing's not ideal because I think he's still going to get through the origin period and he's going to get managed. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play 80 and he gets uh, a bit of a rest, uh, maybe not this week, but maybe around 16 or definitely around 18. So you're going to have to navigate that. And I don't know what your hooker situation is if you got a backup or you got someone else there, but that's just something to keep in mind as well. Uh, and it just comes down to how bullish you are for the rest of the season. If you think Cookie's going to step it up in, and what we've seen through the first 14 rounds of this season is not what you're going to see for the rest of the year, then go for it. Uh, but you could viably just wait. He's not going to shoot up massively in price. His break-even's like 60, 65, somewhere around there from memory. So he certainly could still be a similar price next week. Uh, or, or next round, which, you know, he only has to make it through one more game of origin after that if you're trading him in round 16 or round 18 afterwards as well. So I guess that's where I'm at on that one. Now, to look at specifically Connor Watson to Damien Cook, well, I mean, Watson's average 59.8 on the season, something like that, and Cook is on 617 so pretty close, but I think it's worth noting if you adjust Watson's games where he played six, or he had to come in off the bench to play at five eighth or at five eighth or fullback, which there was one I think it was round eleven where yeah, the Knights just got smashed by injuries. But if you take all those games out and focus just on the games where Watson either started at lock or came off the bench and played in that roaming lock middle forward role, he's actually averaging sixty two point eight. So now that Watson actually is back to that role off the bench and he's still, you know, he's still averaging about 54 minutes per game in that role. So to me, I'm kind of thinking it seems really sideways unless you're thinking Cook is going to average much better for the run home. Uh, again, that's what I was saying before. If you believe Cook is what is average so far this season is his, that that's, you know, happy to ignore that and look at the rest of the season at a potentially 70, 75, even higher average, then, yeah, go for it. But for me, I'm just thinking that's probably not really worth the trade. I'd rather, again, use the trade to upgrade or, or target center wing matchups or, you know, other things like that. Uh, I will also say that, you know, with Watson playing that roaming middle forward role, you know, his base and base attack is much higher, but also he does have potential to get those attacking stats We've seen it on a few times this year, I think in round three. Uh, you know, he, he got a couple of attacking stats in there with a try assist and also a last touch assist, line break, things like that. So he certainly can do that. And if you look at the Knights end of season draw, I think it's been talked about. 
uh, you know, there's certainly potential that Watson could have a big end of season. So to me, I'm kind of thinking I'd probably just hold. I don't see it as a as a big of an upgrade as it seems on paper. So that's, I guess, where I'm at on that one. And I think there was actually another question from um, at Lips and Bums. So he was thinking of Marzu for a cash grab. But looking at trades moving forward, I think I'm with Watson to Cook. I know he hasn't gone the best, but it practically is a straight swap. So thoughts on that? I mean, oh, look, there's a response here from Mitch Phillips uh, who points out exactly what I highlighted about Cook um, back in 2019, struggling to average that well uh, in terms of him backing up or during his uh, origin period. So, yeah, look, I think, <laughs> Mitch, you've, you're kind of in the same boat as me, I think, in terms of our perception of Cook at the moment. So... Look, I personally wouldn't make the trade of Watson to Cook, but I know other people are really keen on it. But that's probably because they're far more bullish on Cook moving forward than I am at the moment. I mean, this might be a different story post-origin rounds 19, 20 onwards, but at, as of this moment, round 15, I'd much rather have Watson for the next few rounds, I think, now that Watson's moving back to that roaming middle forward role uh, and probably seeing you know 45 to 55 minutes off the bench, give or take. So that's, uh, I think, where I'm at at the moment. Um, and, and I guess I'll move to Mitch's question um, from at Mitch underscore Phillips. Thoughts on Kolo Matangi as a second row forward pod instead of CHN, 40,000 cheaper. And the Souths have a better run, including cows in round 17. Look, I really don't mind that shout. I think, I mean, I grabbed CHN last week, so I think that was a better week to get him. But the Koala Tongue, I think he's, he's averaging, I think from my memory as a starter, 54 uh, in base and base attack, which isn't elite, but at the price tag that he's at, it's quite good. And he's got a lot of attacking upside. We've seen him ton up already. You know, running off Cody Walker with the draw coming up, I, I certainly couldn't fault that at all. And I quite like it, honestly. Like, he's cheaper than Tupanua. So if you were picking between Chen, Tupanua, and Kuala Matangi, I couldn't blame anybody for having a crack at the Koala Tongue. So, yeah, go for it, mate. Uh, next question is Talakai or Manu? So I think I've kind of spoken about Talakai. I would personally wait a week just to get those minutes through. But again, I couldn't blame anyone for jumping straight on, given the price tag and the matchup and everything else we've talked about already. Manu, it's his tough one, obviously. You know, with the rumours that he's going to play six this week, it's certainly not the ideal matchup. So I get that. But given the negative break even, he's most likely going to be someone you don't want to. Uh, you know, it's going to cost a lot more if you're going to get him for round 17 and you want him for round 17. So of the two, I think just in terms of break even, I'd get Manu because I would back him to score better than Talakai in round 17 as well. And that's probably how I'd look at it. And especially given the break even. But if you're talking about getting one of these guys and needing them to be used for the rest of the season as one of your center wings, then I probably would back Talakai. I'd be wanting to sit Manu at least one of the next two weeks, if not this week. And then potentially, you know, have the choice of selecting when I want to play him for the final rounds, especially if he's at center at times. All right, next question is from Jaya Pritchard at Fat Icarus. Would you trade Munster or Schuster out for Cody Walker this week? Look, I would trade Schuster. Uh, as much as I kind of don't have a lot of confidence in Munster at the moment, it feels like there's something lingering. And as per my chats with NRL Physio, that uh, foot injury, you know, if it is really a Liz Frank injury, it's certainly not surprising to see him struggling and not being as effective, not just on the field, but also obviously for Supercoach. So Schuster, I mean, he's injured still. He may play round 16, maybe not. 
So I think if you're going to pick one, and you can play in Munster this week as well. So, yeah, it makes pretty it's, – it's pretty clear to me I would just trade out Schuster, basically. Uh, next question comes in from Peter McDermott at Seagull Pete. Worth getting in turbo or just wait till post-origin? Or should I just get buyer players? Aiming for round 10 and round 17, would that be enough? Rank is 1,600s and 16 trades left. So 16 trades is pretty good, I think. I've got 14. I've saved a couple. Not enough, but you're in a good spot with 16. Now, as to whether you get turbo for this week, I would only really want to get turbo if you're confident that he will play round 16 because that's against the Bulldogs. I totally understand how appealing that matchup is. But uh, as much as it seems like he'll have plenty of time to back up, so round, you know, Origin 2 on the Sunday night, then round 16, uh, the Seagulls play on Saturday, 3 p.m. game, which is in Sydney as well, so Bankwest Stadium. So, I mean, the travel's not the issue. It's more... Do Manly, do the Seagulls want to risk playing him in a game that they should win pretty comfortably, honestly? And with the way Garrick performed last time he filled in, like I can't see them needing to push him any harder than he needs to. And I, I would expect him to play, don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying there is a world where the Seagulls decide, look, it's still less than six days from when you've last played. We're playing the current favourites for the Wooden Spoon we don't really need you, and they might just say, look, you're going to have Origin 3, and then uh, keep in mind, round 18, so it's another 48-hour turnaround to play uh, the Dragons uh, in, in round 18 for the Seagulls. So I expect him, honestly, to rest again in round 18, and then he'll come back in round 19 against the Tigers. But So if you're confident he plays 15, 16, misses 17, 18, and ni- then comes back round 19, if he plays three of the next five, I think it's probably okay. Banking on him doing going well in this week against the Titans, which I expect him to, and banking on him playing the Bulldogs and going well, which, again, I expect him to do both. And, yeah, just knowing that he's probably going to be unavailable for two weeks after that and then be back for round 19 and the rest of the run home. I just think if he misses round 16, that's a huge hit. I think that will cause a... It would mean that your trade is definitely not worth it, if I could put it that way. Whereas, you know, if, if Ryan Pappenhausen does come back round 16, then you can get him. Sure, he won't play round 17, but even if he is somehow in Origin for Game 3, which I don't expect him to play now, I definitely don't expect him to play Origin, um, given how much time he's missed and how the Blues went in Game 1. So with Pappenhausen, likely he will play 16. If he plays 16, then he'll definitely play 18 at this stage, from what we understand. There's no doubts about that, basically. So, yeah, I guess that's the opportunity cost of getting Turbo now. You get him for 15, but you means you probably can't get Pappenhausen if you want him for 16, 18. So I guess that's how I'd look at it. And, yeah, it's a, it's a tough call. He, Turbo could score 400 points in the next two rounds he plays if he plays 15, 16. So I totally get it. Um yeah, I think that's the, the decision you've got to make. And obviously the added addition, uh, injury risk of playing Origin 2 and then Origin 3, which you know we, we've discussed and we've saw. It's, a, it's higher intensity for sure compared to how fast the game is at NRL level compared to how fast it is at uh, Origin level. So tough call. <laughs> right, a bit of a change of pace from this question. So this comes from Hoof Hearted at Syadad. So do you think twice about bringing in players who are matched up against the team you support? In a nutshell, yes. I think you do have to think twice 
or I had to think twice anyway, uh, one being first, I always have to check, am I, are there any biases here that I'm holding as a fan of this team that my super coach player is about to take on? Um, you know, am I overrating or underrating how good or bad they are? So for me, I guess the example is from last year, right? Uh, as we saw the Broncos devolve from, you know, rounds one and two, there were top four certainties if you read the, the press back then. And then rounds three onwards, they just slowly looked more and more off the pace. But I think if you were a neutral, potentially you could have seen straight after round three, even after round four, something's wrong with the Broncos here and they shot. For me, like I have to admit, I, I probably was more confident and gave them more credit than they deserved. And I probably, it probably took till round seven, I think, when they lost to the Titans, that's when the penny finally dropped and I was just like off them for the rest of the year. So to me, it did take an extra couple of weeks. And I find for me, even this year, I've got to check myself as much as I've got, well, I had <laughs> some confidence that the Broncos were doing better. And, you know, as much as the results don't always indicate it, like they are doing better this year. That's the crazy thing. As much, as bad as they are now, they actually are better than last year. Let's not forget the 59-0, the 48-0 to a Tigers team that actually wasn't very good. They had Chris Lawrence in the centres. Um, and, and, you know, the Bro the Broncos roster this year is worse than last year. We don't have Dave Fafita. We've had Katoni Staggs injured. Like, yet we're still doing better. We've won games that we shouldn't. So all that aside, um, yes, I would definitely have to think twice. Anytime I'm, tr I'm considering bringing players against the Broncos, I always have to check myself and just double-check where I'm at, like, am I, yeah, uh, and, and most of the time these days anyway, it's not an issue. I'm happily bringing players in. I mean, last week I grabbed CHN, no issues, because they were coming up against the Broncos, and spoiler alert, uh, one of my trades this week is most likely grabbing Cody Walker, again, because it's the Broncos and SJ, round 16, very much on my radar, giving me an extra week in case it gets hurt, but it's just the fact that he plays the Broncos again, which is going to be, uh, a reason for me to want to get him. So, yeah, no issues for me, but I always check myself and just double-check because there's there's always some unconscious level of bias, I think. just It's it's natural being a fan of a footy team. All right, next question comes in from Lake at Adam D Numbers. So he's only got six grand in the bank. Downgrade Watson, who's at hooker. He's currently got Brandon Smith starting. So he's going to enough out to... Yeah, so either enough non-player or maybe someone like Hetherington. Then Laurie to Garrick. Uh, good luck this week, mate. Yeah, so thank you. I need the luck, basically. But I would, like I said, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable holding Watson as a hooker at the moment. Like, you can play him in a pinch. And if you need to, like, his dual position is actually quite handy. Like, my trades this week are only possible because I've got Watson. So I would... Like, do you have someone else you can nuff out, basically? Like, I like the Laurie to Garrick trade, don't get me wrong, but you'll obviously need to generate about, I guess, 170-odd thousand, given you only got 6K in the bank, so maybe even a bit more. But, yeah, look, I'd try to find someone else to nuff out, basically. Like, for example, I'd rather nuff out Barnett because he's second row only, and, like, I see his upside is much more capped at the moment than Watson's, basically, because we've seen Watson ton up as a bench middle forward playing that same role he's got right now. So, and, and now with Pierce back, with Crossland still around, Clifford there, like there's less chance he's going to end up at six. And 
Yeah, so th- that's kind of where I'm at on the on that one. So maybe you've got a, another option. I would much prefer if you nuff someone else out rather than getting rid of what's in there. So, yeah. Next question is uh, from Stuart at Stuart OB. SJ versus Cody Walker, pros and cons to both, keeping whoever I get for the run home. I just think this is just a, honestly, it's just a gut call, whoever you think scores more, basically. I currently am getting Cody this week, like I said. Uh, it's more for the Broncos matchup. But for me, I don't think I'm going to have any left-edge players for the Rabbitohs. And I think it's important to probably have one of those pieces, whether it's AJ, whether it's Kolo Matangi, Gagai, or Cody. I think of, of those options, I'd rather, I'd rather have Cody. And that's the way I'm leaning at the moment. But as for SJ, I mean, he's got the dual position which is a, a massive, I think it's underrated how important dual positions are. And he's got a great draw as well. I think they're pretty much on par, both of their draws. And the other thing SJ has is the goal kicking. So arguably a higher floor. We know Cody can go really low, even at 5'8". And, you know, his floor is probably around the 15 to 20 mark. Whereas SJ, with, with the goal kicking now, his floor is probably 30 to 35, if not higher depending on how well the Sharks go for the rest of the season. So I guess the biggest con for SJ is just the injury, potentially. And I think he plays for a worse team. So if you're talking about who's probably safer for the rest of the year, I think I would link Cody if you had to get one. I'm trying to think about how I'm going to get both. And if I'm picking one for this week, I would lean Cody over SJ just because of the matchup. All right, next question comes from Eels Forever at Firecrotch. Says, hey fellas, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, Mazu, Cookie, Suwali, Lawton. Who do I get in? Pick two. How many weeks run does Lawton, Suwali, or Mazu get over the next three, four weeks? Loath to get anyone who won't play 17 except Cookie, one eye, and final team. So it sounds like you're locked in for Cook. So that's not an issue. Now, as to whether you get Suwali or Lawton or Mazu, I think of these options, I'm most confident Suwali plays around 17. And then Lawton, who's obviously the next likely... I mean, it's Suwali and Lawton who will play 17. The other two don't, guaranteed. Whereas Lawton, there's a chance he has nailed down this role and he keeps that edge spot. But there's a question mark over minutes once Sirinan and or Schuster are back into the team, whether Lawton, he may start but only play 50, 60 minutes, or he might be the one who moves back to the bench because he, like I've said in the past, he's a great utility can play in the centers, can play in the halves at a pinch, uh, is a hooker, plays on the back row now as well. So really, really versatile compared to, I guess, Sirinan, who's just an edge, can play a bit of middle off the bench, but he's he's, he's definitely his best on the edge there. So, uh, look, this is a really tough one. Like I said, I've, I think I've already spoken through Mazu in detail. Suwali, like I said, he's going to play if Walker's rested, if Teddy's rested, if either Josh Morris goes down injured or anything like that. There is a little bit of a question mark now with Billy Smith apparently fit and firing. The thing with Billy is that he hasn't played footy for a long time off, uh, you know, back-to-back knee reconstructions as well as a serious shoulder injury as well, if I'm not mistaken. So they're probably going to give him some time in reserve grade to ease him back in. But there is a question mark later in the season if Billy Smith ends up taking the spot over Swali because Swali's young and doesn't, you know, they don't want to burn him out, et cetera, et cetera. So as for round 17 coverage, yeah, look, I'd probably pick Swali. This is probably the last week I'd want to get him 
because he's just going to keep going up in price with the negative break even. But after that, I yeah, look, it's really hard. I my gut still says Lawton's a trap. I mean, it said that a couple of weeks ago, and he's since made a bucket load of money because of attacking stats. But yeah, that's where I'm at at this stage. So Cook and Swali seems to be the two I'd pick for you, given your comments there. Next question is from Adam Mackay at Adam Mackay eighty three. Cacao slash Laurie to a Johnston and Isaiah Papali or Watson's slash Laurie to Isaiah Papali and Grant. Head to head team focused. I think. Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, I mean, I don't know where your trade situation is at. If you're definitely needing some like keepers, lock him in for the season. Then IPAP and Grant are the two there. That'll be the uh, the keepers there. But uh, if if you you know got some trade spare and you can cash out Alex Johnston when he hits his peak price, then I might lean the other two. Like I don't think Kikau. He he seems like he's not going to be super coach relevant this year. I would much rather have uh, Watson over Kikau if I had to pick between the two. But obviously, I'd also much rather have Grant over Watson. So if you're looking at, you know, your trades are low and you just want to lock in keepers, then IPAP and Grant. Um, if you've got some trades in hand, then I don't mind the Alex Johnston cash splash and he probably helps you win another one or two head-to-heads in the next couple of weeks Well, while they've got this good run. Next question comes in from Andrew K at aking 80 What's an ideal number for round 17? Given I'm in the top 500, 14 trades remaining. Of the guns I'm missing, Fafita, Grant, Holmes, and Pappenhausen. Also, what are some upside pods you might consider for the run home? Uh, look, that second question is really hard to answer at the moment. I don't think I'm in a position to really, yeah. Maybe we'll try to tackle it next in, in the next one or two weeks while we've got the uh, rep round break and we've got two weeks to kind of prepare for round 16 slash 17. So I'll come back to that one. But as for how many you need for round 17, honestly, I think you're probably going to want around 10 is my gut feeling at this stage. But that you probably want a strong 10. So it's not like, you know, seven quality players and three or four nuffs and rookies and stuff like that. And I just realized I never answered the second part of um, (laughs) Peter McDermott's question, which was where he was thinking about by players and whether 10 was enough around 17. So Peter, I think, was 1,600s. He's got 16 trades left. So, yeah, look, I think 10's not a bad number. The more you can get, the better, obviously. But 10, I think as long as it's quality, you know, 8, 9, 10 players, I think that'll help you stay afloat and, you know, maintain that rank. There's probably a, an argument to say you've got to push harder and get some more, but it's tough. I think in particular, since you've still got to get David Fafita as well as Holmes and Grant and Pappenhausen, you're going to need a few trades post round 17. So I think 10's probably about right and, and viable with your trade numbers and the guys you still need to get. Because I've, I've got the same number of trades as you, but I still have Fafita. I've got Pappenhausen still <laughs> to my own detriment, but I have him. So that's one less trade I've got to make later. But yeah, we'll try to tackle the second half of that question there about the upside pods for the run home uh, in the next one or two weeks. And I think the last question is D at Buckstorm Tiger. Would you play Manu versus Barnett, Watson, etc. playing? Okay, Manu playing at six this week, but Panthers tough to score points against, literally. Yeah, look, that's a really tough one. I think it's just a gut call, honestly. I 
agree that the Panthers are tough to score against, so I'd probably lean away from them. But the other two might only give you, say, 45-ish scores, maybe a bit more if you get lucky with an attacking stat. But, yeah, I it just comes down to how confident you are on, on Manu, I think. If not, then I would lean one of the Knights. Next, uh, Walsh, firstly, is he a buy? Two, worry is he plays 14 or 18 for Queensland, misses around 17, and maybe even around 18, too risky. I think, uh, yeah, look, I would lean away from Walsh as a buy, as much as I don't think he does play Origin, because especially if Brimson's back healthy and Pong is healthy, I doubt he will play the 14 role. But you're right, he could be the 18th man, so he misses around 17. Uh, I don't think he'll miss both rounds. Even if he comes in and plays 14, he'll probably still play round 18 regardless. But, yeah, the the question is, is if he plays in the halves, how does he actually go scoring-wise? I think he does score better playing at fullback, and I like him better there. In the halves, he is a bit of a turnstile, and he's been shown to miss some tackles, to put it lightly. So I would say, yeah, I think he's a bit too risky. I get the appeal and... You know, he's been he's been scoring really well. I mean, he's got back-to-back tons, if not three in a row, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, it, it, there's definitely a risk there, obviously. And AJ, base 20-minute ceiling highest, could play fullback. Three of next four. I thought you were talking about Alex Johnston, but I guess that could also be AJ Brimson. And if you're playing fullback, like, Johnston's not playing fullback because it's either Latrell or Cody Walker. Yeah, sorry, man. I don't understand the question. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't get Brimson because he's just shown he's been injury prone. Yeah, not sure what you're trying to say there. Unless you are you putting AJ at fullback? Is that what you mean? No, that doesn't make sense either. Three of the next four. Sorry, mate. Uh, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> all right. That's all the Twitter questions we've got for this week. Thank you again for submitting them. And especially thank you for Kamgra accounting for sponsoring the segment, like I said, uh, look him up on Facebook or uh, on Twitter. And don't forget to mention the podcast and Carl will look after you guys when it comes to pricing. It's the final countdown. countdown. Alright, so last thoughts for this round. I Like I said, I think I've got two trades in mind. Cody Walker probably is in... Charlie Staines, Dane Laurie both out. And I think I'm – this is really tough. I'm, I'm undecided still, but I'm actually really quite tempted to take a punt on Mazu and just trust that he's going to do enough this week to hold his spot. I need someone to play this week. I don't want to play uh, my Roosters if I can avoid it. So my center wing, I've got Toto, Ikevalu, Jennings, Manu, Laurie Staines, and Suwali at the moment. So if I trade those two out – and I'll be able to bring Eisenhut down from uh, my second row. And, you know, as long as he starts it, I'm fine. But with Wacker's Whispers, he's still apparently in doubt with, well, not in doubt. He's still unsure if he's going to play because of the uh, HIA protocols that he's got to get through. So if I don't have him, then I need someone basically to, to be able to roll out instead. So that's a bit of an issue for me. So Mazu would be really helpful for that. So I'm, I'm still tempted to look at it, but it's a trade I can make later. I'd really love to be able to see the 19-man the squad for the Titans, especially if Don drops out. That would make it much sweeter and easier to do that. If not, I might have to roll the dice on someone else. But 
yeah, that's what I'm looking at. But yeah, I wanted to get a bit of the Rabbitohs left side and Cody Walker is the most obvious option out of those uh, picks for me, especially given I've got other plans for my center wing in the next couple of weeks. I didn't really want to have Alex Johnston in there taking up another spot as well. So yeah, I think that's where I'm at trade-wise. In terms of vice-captain, captaincy, the vice-captain will be on Cody Walker once I bring him in. And captaincy, I've, I've just got him on Nico Hines at the moment, but I'm actually tempted to move it back onto Nathan Cleary. I kind of feel he won't be as popular right now. And I don't know if that's just because he's out of sight, out of mind for a week. Plus, he's off that 54 as a last start, which some people are obviously not that keen on, but... Let's not forget the Roosters uh, right now, not that good defensively. They just leaked 34 points to the Titans. They still have some question marks in the halves. They're changing the defensive combinations again. So whilst I don't think they're going to get blown off the park, there's every chance that Cleary still has a strong game. So kind of leaning that way, I think he won't be as popular because there's great options like Turbo and Gutherson and Hines, obviously. So yeah, I'm undecided, but that's where I'm leaning. But Maybe it's all a moot point after Cody Walker puts 200 points on the Broncos tonight, but we'll see. Uh, in terms of, I guess, maybe the final word for this week, I think there's a lot of decisions that people have to make. The strongest one I can't stress enough is you need to make sure you count your trades, look at your team and work out how many you're going to use over this week, next week, and also around 17, and how many trades you're going to need to use after that to get your final team. Uh, locked in because if you've got like no origin players for example I think you're going to lose out on a lot of points if you don't have Angus Crichton, David Fafita, Nathan Cleary you know all of those types of origin players that a lot of people have traded out so if you take too long after round 17 so 18, 19, 20 you've only got two trades per week after that so you could definitely be spending three four rounds just getting these origin guns back into your team so that's just something to keep in mind. Whereas if you've carried a few Origin guys through, you're probably in a better position to lock in your final 17 and be pumping out the premium points for the end of season. Anyway, this has gone on long enough. I had plenty to chat about. So thanks as always for listening. Good luck this week as you make your final decisions and we will catch you again soon. There's only one thing left to say. <laughs>